Welcome to the Piece of Cake Podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Brianne. And we're here to make your wedding planning a piece Piece of of cake. cake. Who are we? Just a couple of best friends who are passionate about weddings and all the little details along the way. We've been brides and bridesmaids, day off coordinators, and party planners. We're accountants by day. And wedding enthusiasts by night. We'll use our experience and attention to detail to help you plan your special day. We know this is a really exciting time in your life, but the logistics can be stressful. That's where we come in. Tune in with us every week and your wedding will be a piece piece of cake. talk about food and that can be a really broad topic at (laughs) weddings so for today's episode we're going to define it as just dinner or the dinner alternatives that you can have at a wedding yes and we know there's other things out there like appetizers and desserts and then there's drinks and etc we will dig into all of those things in future episodes we promise but today we're going to talk about dinner which is ironic because we're recording this episode at 8 a.m. today. <laughs> we're ready. Let's go. Dinner. So, first of all, where do you get your food from or who supplies it for your wedding? There are a few options. A lot of times at your venue, there is a restaurant inside or they have like a built-in caterer and you're usually required to get your food through them. Mm-hmm. And that can also be a really easy option because they are used to the venue. They have good selection makes it kind of easy, but it also restricts your options. Mm -hmm. You can get it from a caterer, and then you can shop around, find whoever you like. One caveat on this is also a lot of venues do have a preferred list of caterers that you either have to choose from or just ones that they like to work with. And if they have a list of ones they just like to work with, you might want to go with them because, again, they're familiar with the venue, and that can be really helpful. Mm -hmm. Another category that's kind of becoming more trendy these days is food trucks. So if you want a little bit more hip wedding, mm-hmm. you can try that. And we'll dig a little bit more into food trucks a little later in the episode. Yes. And then there's more of the DIY sort of options, which are less of a thing at traditional venues, but maybe more so at non-traditional venues or like a backyard wedding or something where you could buy like ready-to-eat foods from Costco or something. Or you can make it yourself, slash friends, family makes it, slash have a potluck. Yep. So those are kind of the broad categories of where to source your food from. And, and then if you're working with one of the caterers or the on-site restaurant or whatever, there's quite a few things you have to coordinate. But the main one is the style of dinner you're going to have. And we're going to go into all of those options in just a minute but basically like plated or sit down or buffet Mm -hmm. or whatever. The number of guests you're going to have, that'll be really important. And you have to give that number to whoever's making your food a few weeks in advance. Mm -hmm. Any items that you need to provide, which is like serving dishes or utensils or any buffet decorations or any like little things that they might not have enough of or might not provide for you. For my wedding, I had to provide salt and pepper shakers and water pitchers for my tables. (laughs) That's random. Which you might not think of, like course that would be provided but it wasn't and then ask how much they help with setup because our caterers would help 
put the plates and silverware and our napkins that we provided and kind of decorate a little bit like that. We had a decorator, so we didn't need their help with it, but that was part of their package. But some caterers might not do that all. They might just come and drop off the food. So kind of work with them to see how involved they are with mm-hmm. that so you know how much you need to do. Okay, so now we'll get down into the actual food, the fun part. So Emily, what do you think of when you think of wedding food? Kind of like the traditional chicken or steak and mm-hmm. like salad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think that's been the traditional wedding dinner But the point I want to make here is that you can do whatever you want. So for my wedding, we did a pasta bar with Caesar salad and bread, and it was really yummy. I've seen people do tacos, which is so fun, macaroni and cheese, have pizzas. Do whatever. You don't have to stick to that traditional meat dish because, one, to me, that's not as fun personally, and two... It's hard to do and it can be expensive. So there are more affordable and also fun options out there. So don't just limit yourself to what you traditionally think of. Emily, you had some of the traditional meat options, but then also more fun things. Yeah, we did a buffet at our wedding. And so yeah, like Brian said, we kind of mixed traditional and some fun options. We had a chicken dish and a steak dish, but then we did really fun pasta and we had a salad that had some fruit in it. And then had a fruit tray and Mm -hmm. some really, really awesome garlic mashed potatoes. Yes. And a few other random things. Like I had a really good selection of everything for people to choose from. Because we also had a lot of vegetarians in my husband's side of the family. So we needed to have some options for them. And we also had salmon, I think. But I don't know. Mm There's a big selection of things. I wanted to have a traditional buffet, but I wanted to make some of the traditional elements a little bit different. Mm Mm-hmm. So we won't dig too much more into the food because there is so much so out there. So much. Like you can literally do anything. <laughs> yeah. So just that's what we want your takeaway to be. Find the food that you like and find somebody that makes that and do that. Yep. So now we're going to get into those styles of dinner like we talked about because that's really the thing you need to pick. That determines the cost. That determines mm-hmm. the arrangement of your reception venue. That's like the main thing you need to decide on really, I think. So... The first option, and this is usually the most formal option, is a plated sit-down meal. So that's when guests are served the course, usually up to three courses, at the table. You usually give them a choice of entree beforehand, Mm -hmm. like on the invitation. And this is usually a little bit more expensive option, but actually I've seen some caterers it's not the more expensive option because it kind of depends on which entrees you choose, Mm -hmm. and it can be less expensive just because they know exactly how much to prepare ahead of time versus like buffets and other options. They have to prepare a lot extra because they don't want to run out. So yeah, this is a really good option if you're having a more formal wedding. I feel like this goes along with what we said earlier with like, this is the really classic what you think of. You choose your chicken or your fish on your invite, and then you get served that dinner at your wedding. And so for each of these styles, we'll go through kind of the pros and cons of choosing this. So one of the pros is that everybody gets their food at the same time. There's no lines or anything, and it's kind of nice to be served your dinner with everyone. Yeah, and it gives you the option to spread out some of your wedding activities, like dances and toasts in between each of the courses to keep guests engaged and help maintain really good energy at the reception, which is important. So the cons of this 
are that a sit-down dinner requires more servers and bussers and all of that, so it can add to the cost when you have to have more staff versus serving yourself. Also, the food options can be a little bit more limited because like we said, people are choosing between the chicken or the fish and then they get the standard sides that come with it served to them so they don't do as much picking and choosing and customizing. Yep, and then I think the biggest downside of this one is you have to use name cards because you have to be able to show the wait staff which entree that the mm-hmm. people picked. So if you weren't planning on having assigned seating or anything right. like that, that kind of forces you into doing place cards. Yeah. And that can be a whole different hassle for you. So, yeah. so that it's one, a lot more organization required. Exactly. It comes down to the logistics, everything from the RSVPs. Like you literally have to have everyone RSVP because you need to know your food count or which kinds of food. And then you have to show that at the table and make sure the right person gets the right food. And what about your vegetarians and your vegans and all of that? Yeah. There is a slight alternative to this where you can just serve two proteins on one plate where they do like a meat option and a fish option on the same plate. And so you don't have people pick ahead of time, but then that just becomes a little more pricey since you're paying for basically two for everybody. Yeah, so. that could be really spendy and also still doesn't cover the vegetarians, vegans. Right. And it, it also could be wasteful. Yes. Like if people don't like half those things and they don't eat them. Yeah. So a little bit more complicated, but it's also very nice. The second option, which is common, like what I did at my wedding, is the buffet. And this is where you have, you know, long tables with a variety of options and people get in a line and walk down the line. And sometimes you can have servers serving the food from the buffet and letting Mm -hmm. people know what they are. A lot of times it's just people serve themselves. So kind of two little options on the buffet. You can have more than one buffet line to accommodate larger number of guests. And this is a kind of a side note from my wedding is that <laughs> usually the caterer determines the number of buffet lines you have based on the number of guests. And for my wedding, we were like right at the cusp of having one or two lines. And I specifically requested having two just because I didn't want to have long lines of people right. waiting to get their food. Like I wanted to have everyone go through the line as fast as possible. And it's the same amount of food. They're just serving it in yeah. two lines. And we had a slight malfunction where the caterer didn't listen and he only set up one, but everyone got the food. So we it, made it. it. We it ate was dinner. Okay. But um, one thing to note, like if that's kind of one of your sticking points about buffets, that was my mom's big thing. The one thing she doesn't like about buffets is she doesn't like people standing around in line. So if that's something you're worried about, you can always request having two set up instead. The cost for buffets is generally lower per person than the sit-down meal. Mm-hmm obviously kind of depends on your caterer and what exactly you're serving. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the pros related to doing buffet lines is that it does require fewer servers, like the flip side of the plated dinner, and it can be easier and more cost-effective to provide guests with a variety of choices. So you can have those different meats and the vegan options, and maybe there's a guest that just wants salad, or they can really customize their plates. Yeah, especially good if you have a group that you know has quite a few people with vegetarians or vegans or allergies or or gluten-free, so many things. If you know your family or friends have quite a few of those things, then this might be a better option. Some of the cons is that it takes a while to get all of your guests through the line, so it takes a little bit more time for everyone to get their food. You might have to rent additional linens or serving dishes to set up the buffet if your caterer doesn't provide all of that. So this one's kind of funny, but I agree. It's like, it's not as 
elegant as a plated dinner. When you think about a plated dinner, you think it's really classy and you think of the servers coming and serving versus getting up, serving yourself and carrying your plate back to the table. I think this is the more outdated traditional view of it and buffets are totally normal nowadays. So I don't see a problem here, but we do agree that the plated dinner is the fanciest of the options and the buffet is like one step down, I guess, but it's totally fine. Yeah. And then there is a potential for having some increased food costs just because the caterer needs to make some extra so that nothing runs out. It also requires a larger quantity of food just because people tend to serve themselves more when they're serving themselves, when they eat more. So yes, I think that's a really important point. People totally overserve versus plated dinner that's served to them. Yeah. People want all the mashed potatoes, yeah, right? It's so true. So the next food setup option is family style. And this is similar to a sit-down dinner, but you're not served individual dishes. You have big dishes in the middle of the table that have enough food for everybody, and you pass them around and serve yourself. So the cost is oftentimes this is somewhere in the middle between sit-down and buffet. Some of the pros for this option are the guests get to help themselves to as much food as they'd like, and it's very efficient because guests get all their food at the same time and can begin eating immediately. Some of the cons though are that it requires ample space on the tables for all of the serving dishes and platters. I didn't think of this at first and Emily found this in her research and I'm like that is such a good point Yeah. because everyone's very specific on their tables and their decorations and you have your centerpieces and all your things and then to add all the family style dishes to that I feel like it could get really full and maybe really messy. And so I think that's something important to think about. This one also might require more dishes to be included with the family serving. So that could increase your budget for these items because you might have to rent more things or get more things from your caterer. And then also this could increase food costs because the caterer will need to make extra food to ensure nothing runs out. And this is similar to the buffet where when people are serving themselves, they could take more food The next option is food stations, and this is kind of a fun way to do it. And it's similar to a buffet, but it's broken into different displays and tables around the room. And you can kind of either like incorporate a theme like around the world and have different countries food on each table, or it's a little bit more traditional to have like entrees in one spot and sides in another table and salads and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I always think of the carving station where they have the meats like at a traditional buffet. Exactly. And cost, you don't need as many servers as a plated dinner, so it can be a little bit less expensive, but it also really varies on the type of foods you're serving. Like Brian said, if you have like a carving station or if you have any of those interactive stations where chefs are actually preparing food at the station, those will add to your bill. But otherwise, it can be pretty cost effective. But one thing to note is that you'll need to have plenty of people clearing plates because guests tend to get a new plate at each station. Oh. Um, so they can kind of stack up and you don't want that at the wedding. <laughs> Good point. So some of the pros of this are that you can have really fun, creative food stations and cool presentations and it can be visually awesome and people will like the variety of trying the fun different things. Guests will appreciate the wide variety of dishes and and the interactive element and I think it's cool because people can pick and choose what stations they're going to go to. 
The stations can be spread out as well. So it's not just one big buffet line, it's a couple different smaller lines, hopefully. And then at the cook to order stations, guests can request exactly how they like their dish. So like in the carving example, you know, they can pick the cut of meat they want. Mm -hmm. Or I like know. cook to order pasta stations and yeah. stuff, so you can put whatever types of cheese or ingredients you want in it. There's For some reason, it just options. makes me think of an omelet station. <laughs> That's what I said too. <laughs> and then you pick what's in your omelet, you know, depending on whatever you food you're going ready. for. Yeah. <laughs> and then finally, it promotes interaction within the guests because everyone's walking around, going to the different stations, and so it can just be a fun activity too. Some of the cons is that you do need more room in your reception space to be able to accommodate all the different stations. So you need a bigger room for that. And then again, you need more chefs if you have those interactive stations. So that also can add to your catering bill. Next is a cocktail style reception. And this is sort of one of those dinner alternatives we mentioned where you don't serve a full dinner, but you do heavy appetizers and of course drinks because cocktail. <laughs> And so this is where you can have hors d'oeuvres and small bites all evening long rather than just one specific sit-down meal. You can have hot and cold appetizers. You can have past appetizers or stationary appetizers. This can create more of a casual atmosphere, but I also think this can create a fancy atmosphere too if you are doing the past hors d'oeuvres with the servers. So I think you can customize this to fit your vibe. You do, if you're going this route, you do want to have a substantial amount of appetizers. So some guidance we read says that it's like 12 to 14 different hors d'oeuvres per guest, or at least 12 to 14 servings per yep. guest. And then you want to have the servers circulate for two hours. Yep. And for cost, it's potentially more affordable since you're not serving that one big main entree. But this is very variable because it depends on the types of hors d'oeuvres that you're choosing. And then how many servers, if you're doing those past right. hors d'oeuvres, then how many servers you're having. Okay, so the pros of this is that if your venue is small, then you can just have small cocktail tables and more standing around rather than specific big dinner tables that seat literally everyone. Yeah, because for a cocktail reception, you don't have dinner tables and chairs for every guest. Yeah. So. It also allows the bride and groom to circulate around through the room and chat with everybody. So it just facilitates more of that open conversational environment than having everybody at their 10 people to a table and you stay there. Oh, and like we mentioned, it's potentially more affordable depending on what you pick and how many servers. Some of the cons are that some guests may be confused <laughs> and expecting a full meal because it's not as common of a style these days. So to fix this problem, it's important to word your invitation clearly and say something like, please join us for a cocktail style reception after the ceremony, mm -hmm. just to kind of mitigate that a little bit. And so people aren't expecting a full meal when they arrive. Mm -hmm. Also, food costs might be lower, but guests are likely to drink more at this type of reception. So your alcohol costs might go up a little bit. And then also, since people won't be seated, some guests may have trouble seeing some of your events, like your first dance and things like that. So Good can point. think about that when you're setting up your venue. Mm -hmm. Okay, finally, this is a relatively new and hip category, is food trucks. This That's has fun. become a lot more trendy lately. So, this is where you have a food truck come and serve your guests. It's ideal for outdoor receptions. 
It can be kind of expensive because you have to rent the whole truck and their staff, besides just the cost of the food. Some of the pros is that really the sky's the limit. You can have as many of your favorite food trucks as you want. Done right, the food trucks can be really unique and a lot of guests have never experienced this before, so it makes your wedding really fun and different and can be just a yeah, really cool thing. I think that can really make you stand out if you do it right. But I also like that you mentioned that you can have a couple different ones because I feel like that would be my advice is maybe a couple trucks. Yeah. Because when, so when we get to the cons of it, you have to figure out like the logistics of people actually getting their food. So it's like, when do they get their food and is everybody going to be in the food truck line at the same time and is there an official dinner time and do people know when to go over there and what to do? So that can just kind of be a weird situation that you have to make sure to plan for. Another con could be that food trucks aren't necessarily as fancy, but that doesn't mean that they're cheap. So that's kind of an interesting trade-off that you should be aware of. You have to rent all the trucks and the staff, like Emily said. So keep that in mind when you're thinking like, oh, I'm going to have this little cute, fun, rustic wedding with this little food truck that actually might not be little in terms of cost. And then finally, seating logistics. So I mentioned the logistics of getting the food. So now it's where do people sit? Do you have your formal dinner tables or do you have more of that cocktail style where not everybody has a seat and people can move around? So. One thing that Brian and I discussed and that we kind of like the idea for food trucks is it's kind of a, I think also a newer, trendier thing is that people do kind of like late night bites or have a dessert food truck or something. So instead of having your main meal be mm -hmm. a food truck, maybe have a food truck come between like 10 and midnight and serve grilled cheese or like Ugh. fun late night bites. It's like yes. a late midnight snack sort of idea or have them serve desserts or something mm -hmm. like an extra thing instead of being your main meal where you have to have multiple food trucks and yeah. trying to serve everyone their main food from the food truck, which can be logistically hard. Mm -hmm. Maybe just have them come be an extra fun thing where you just have one food truck and then you don't have to figure out those logistics of seating and everything for the food truck, then people can roam around and it's not everyone going to the food truck at once. So it's more of like a fun extra thing and might not cost as much and just logistically a little easier. Yeah, so I feel like our thoughts on that are if it's real dinner, then maybe you need to have a couple and there's more logistics to figure out, but it might just be better to have it be a fun additional thing that comes later and does dessert or whatever, like Emily mentioned. Yeah. So now that you've picked whatever style dinner you want to have, you have to decide on your menu. So earlier we talked about the types of food, literally any food you like, you yep. can pretty much have at your wedding, but then you need to figure out the number of options you want to have. And it does sort of depend on the plating style you decide on. Like if you have a buffet, you get more options. If you have a sit down plate of dinner, there's slightly fewer options. So that kind of dictates it, but you also do have options within that. Mm -hmm. You need to consider the dietary needs of your guests again. So if you know you have some people with specific allergies or a lot of people that are vegetarian or gluten-free and you want to make sure you have options for them, then you need to think about that when you're deciding on your menu. And then the really fun thing you get to do is do a tasting. So coordinate that with your caterer or your venue and you get to go in and try a couple different things and then decide on your final menu. So that's a lot of fun. You could bring your fiance and maybe bring a friend or a parent or something with you to get some outside opinions. Yes. 
Okay, so we've talked about all the food and all the things that are involved, and you're probably thinking that those costs are going to start adding up. So as usual, we have some money-saving tips and tricks for you along the way. <laughs> so first of all is to consider dinner alternatives. These are things like serving a different meal at a different time of day, like doing a brunch wedding. You can also do a lunch wedding. <laughs> and then, as we mentioned, you can just do hors d'oeuvres rather than a full dinner. I feel like this was a lot more typical back in the day. Like my grandma and my mom tell me that this is how weddings used to be. It's just like a cake and punch reception, just doing the dessert after the wedding. Or if it's not specifically cake and punch, you can do whatever kind of fun dessert reception you want to do. And so with all of these things, you want to make sure you consider the time of day that your wedding is going to be because that will definitely dictate what you should be serving your guests. You know, make it earlier if you're doing the brunch or lunch wedding. If you're doing hors d'oeuvres, try to keep it around that happy hour timing. If you are going to start your ceremony at 5 p.m. and have all your guests ready for dinner at 6 p.m., you really need to serve them dinner. People are going to be hungry, so you should probably feed them. Exactly. Another money saving tip is to limit your food options. The more options you have, it does cost more money. So if you want to save a little bit of money, then limit those options on your buffet or on your plated dinner. Mm -hmm. You don't need to give them three entree options. Mm -hmm. Having two options is plenty and that'll save you some money. Another money saving tip is to avoid things that require extra servers. So like we talked about, plated meals are a little more expensive because they require so many extra servers. Also, tray past hors d'oeuvres mm -hmm. cost more sometimes, so having the stationary ones instead. Or the buffet options we talked about, having servers on the buffet line, mm -hmm. you can just do ones where people serve themselves. Anything with those extra servers costs more money. Yep. And then this goes back to when you're first picking your venue, but pick a venue that allows different catering options. It could be more spendy if you have to do it on site or if you have to use their caterers. So you can pick a venue that allows any caterers and that allows you to shop around and find better deals. Okay, oh, this is my favorite money saving tip. Okay, so have snacks, small things around before dinner that your guests can kind of munch on. One, I think this is really awesome because people are hungry and people love little snacky things while they're waiting. Maybe they're waiting for you guys to finish your photos after the ceremony and they're like in the cocktail hour or they are sitting at the tables waiting to get released for the buffet line. That's always like the worst time because you're so hungry. Okay, so what we did at my wedding is we had bread on the table. Our buffet came with bread and it was on the buffet line like usual, but we doubled up and also had bread on the table so that people could be having a little bit of bread to snack on before they went to the buffet. And I think this is just nice for your guests, but I also think it could save money if they fill up a little bit and they aren't absolutely ravenous when they get to your buffet line. Yep. You can also do little candies around or just little things. Think about if you go grocery shopping and you're hungry and how much more you buy. Yep. So just a little bit can go a long way so people won't be so hungry. So true. And then one of the last tip that doesn't really fall into any of these categories, but it's something that you don't really think about <laughs> is that you need to remember to bring take-home containers that you can put all your leftover food in so you can take it home at the end of the night because you paid for all that food and then yeah. the caterers will pack it all up for you and then you get to take it home. 
but you have to usually have to bring those containers with you a lot of the time. Or at least you're communicating with your caterer to know if they have that. Yep. And then also coordinate with someone, your parents or someone in your bridal party, about who's going to take all those leftovers home. Yeah. Take them to your house or take them to their house or whatever, but coordinate who's taking those home because that's often overlooked, but yes. that's a lot of food that you paid for and exactly. you want to take it home and then be able to enjoy it the next day. Yes. So we had fettuccine Alfredo and we took a ton of it home, froze it, and literally ate it for like a year after the wedding. Yes. <laughs> it's so good. So that's all we have for you today on food, specifically dinner for this episode. And we want to leave you with the three key ingredients that make choosing and enjoying your food a piece of cake. Number one, choose your dining style, whether that's plated, buffet, etc. Number two, have whatever kind of food you like. You don't have to follow tradition here. And number three, Consider dinner alternatives to save money. If you enjoyed listening to us and feel like you actually got some good takeaways and tangible tips for your wedding planning, please, please, please go rate us, review us, share us with your friends. You can also find us on Instagram at pieceofcake.planning. Or you can email us at pieceofcakepodcast at outlook.com. So keep listening and share it with your friends. Thanks, and we hope your wedding planning is a piece piece of of cake. cake.